When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I think you love a beat. Oh, I'm really excited uh, for our next guest on the Colleen and Bradley show. My Talk 1071 streaming live at mytalk1071.com. Everything entertainment. Colleen Lindstrom, Bradley trainer did the morning show. He's sleeping right now. Holly's wide awake and she's with me until three. Yes. Uh, and you know who else is wide awake? Uh, my best friend, Alicia Perkins, is in the studio because she is the author of an amazing, awesome new fiction book. Uh, and it's called Martyred. Hello, Alicia. Hi, Alicia. Hi, guys. Um, oh. So, okay, first of all, people might know that you've already written some nonfiction. Yeah. Well, one. Some sounds like a lot, but just one. Well, I, mean, <laughs> yeah, that is I know that she's written more than yeah. one, but but we've but one has been released. People yes. have read one of them, correct? And um, but this so this is like a whole new experience for you. Very much so. Yeah, it started because I actually after the um, the nonfiction I read a book called On Writing by Stephen King. Of course you did. Yeah, which is like I I've never read any other Stephen King books, which is crazy, right? That was a weird <laughs> one to start with. Well. Because somebody, well, because I'm a wimp and I don't know that I could handle his scary stuff. Uh, but that's actually somebody true. said this is like half autobiography, half how he writes. Mm-hmm. And what was fascinating was he said that he never actually plots. He just takes a character and puts it in a situation and goes. And I thought, oh, that sounds like a really interesting exercise. So I gave it a shot. And you did it. And, and I did it. And I just and kept now going. We all get to read it. We do. Yes. So the book is called Martyred, Mm -hmm. your first fiction book, Alicia Perkins. So can you tell us what the book is about? So it's about three women, um, three women who have been friends for a long time. And um, the tagline is every woman sacrifices. It's in their nature. But it is. But is it in their blood? Mm -hmm. And basically what it alludes to is, um, you know, it, it stems with it deals with a lot of different things. But top of mind is the Me Too movement. And these women and find themselves in a situation and they deal with it a little bit differently, I think, than uh, most people do. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's kind of I like to say it's where uh, cultural misogyny meets the power of female friendships. And I love that one of the other things that you have said that motivated you to write this book in the first place is the realization that you don't have to be a victim to be outraged. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, as all this stuff is happening, like we just said, the Me Too movement, obviously, like women demanding equal pay, all this like, you know, female power driven stuff, you know, as a stay at home mom and growing up in a suburb and a very, you know, happily happy functioning family, like I'm fortunate that I haven't had um to deal with any of this knock on wood i know that's not a lot of women's experiences but i still find myself just like wishing i could do something and being upset about the current situation and yeah like you said i just had a moment where i'm like well this is what i can do is write the story and put it out there and hope that it speaks to people and empowers powers us women yeah we saw women here yeah. today well yes and you're the mother of girls i mean I that am. is a huge that is 
as a mom of a girl myself, like I know how badly you want to like give them all of our anger in a productive way. Yeah. Right. And yeah. And not even that. I mean, like, I think you just don't realize like how difficult it is for some women. And then realizing that like that could be your daughter, the woman in your life. It's it it hits you pretty hard. Yeah. That nobody exists in a vacuum. Yeah. Everyone is in relation to other people and they are cared about. Yeah. And one actually one of the things the book does really well because I am fortunate and I got to read an advanced copy (laughs) because I know people. Uh, We are talking to Alicia Perkins, author of Martyred, which you can get really wherever you buy your books. Barnes and Noble has it. Target, I believe, has it. Target.com has it. Target.com has it. Their shelves are pretty small, so I'm not big enough to get in there yet. But Barnes & Noble brick and mortar stores do have it. That's so cool. It is exciting. Um, but one of the things I love about it is to that point of, like, you do find yourself attached to the characters enough that you do care. You, It is like somebody in your life. Yeah. Having some, being the victim of something. Yeah. And it does kind of put you through that emotional exercise of, like, how do I react to this when it's this close to me? Yeah. Well, and I think, like you said, I mean... It's no, it's obviously no secret. I've talked to, on a couple of different shows. Like they're based off of people in my lives. You being one of them. I, it's true. There's one character <laughs> um, based on me. Just your best parts, though. Like not Thank actually you. what happens, and we won't get into Other it. Stuff. But anyways, we don't need to dig too but deep you were, into that. You were drawing from inspirations in yeah. your own life through yeah. people that you're associated with, and in this book, Martyred, you've channeled all of that, and through fiction writing, you've been able to tell a new story. Yeah. Story that's not necessarily mine, but I feel like is a collective story. And it can be anybody's. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, I just want to tell you really quick, because you are going to be on Twin Cities Live today. Um, Elizabeth Reese was is maybe planning to ask you what you'll be doing tonight mm-hmm. when the twins play. And oh, I said, I said, I'll answer that for you. Oh, well, I said, I, my plans won't did be just change a little oh, are you bit. Gonna watch the no, game. Well, no, I, you're right. You're correct. I won't be watching. However, <laughs> um, however, I am a, I am supporting the twins. I do want them to do well. Glenn will be watching. He uh, he has to watch for work. So actually, tonight in Lakeville, it's uh, Lakeville North versus Lakeville South. Oh, that's for big. Football. It's big, you so guys. So it's a pretty big darn, darn deal down in Lakeville. But actually, like I told you, I have been <laughs> weirdly at 37 having this weird back problem. So I just got some muscle relaxers. So I, I have plans with the bed. She's going to kick back. <laughs> and, and the reason why we're asking what, you know, what you're doing for the Twins game is, of course, as you mentioned, Glenn Perkins. Yep. Uh, former relief pitcher for the Minnesota Twins. Still, he does uh, stuff on Fox Sports North and also on our brother station, Score North. Yeah. Um, he he he's a former Twins player. Yeah. And so, of course, people associate you with the Minnesota Twins. Yeah. But you'll be having drugs and laying down tonight. <laughs> Actually, it's kind of funny because I remember when they made the playoffs and we played New York and everybody knows how it, how it went. Well, maybe mm-hmm. not, but it didn't go well. We were out in three games <laughs> really quickly and we were out in New York and I remember one of the wives got into it with some of the fans out there and it got pretty interesting. Pretty so heated. I have some pretty interesting memories from okay, playoff maybe season. Oh, maybe that's your next book. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, so Alicia, Martyred is Complete. It's on bookshelves right now. Mm-hmm. Do you plan on writing any more fiction? Or are you going to return to nonfiction for your next book? No, I think I enjoyed writing fiction. It's fun to be able to have no rules. You know, like when you're writing nonfiction, you're, you're either either telling your story or somebody else's story, typically, or, or within, um, you know, a belief or a rule or, you know, something along those lines. Where with fiction, like anything kind of goes. So you get to be as uh, out there as you want, which is kind of a fun exercise. Like I once read an article that uh, Gillian Flynn was asked about Gone Girl and people were like, 
you know, if you if you meet her, she's just a, a very beautiful, like, suburban lady. And they're like, how does that come out of your head? Yeah, because you know, that is like, a messed up book. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it's kind of fun then to be able to exercise that side of your brain that normally maybe you keep a little bit more and buttoned up. I mean, there's some darkness in, there is. in Martyred. Yeah. Um, were you surprised by your way, like, the fact that you gravitated toward that? Yeah, a little bit, only because, like, I mean, as you and I have talked about openly on um, the Chili Mimosas podcast, that we both struggle with anxiety. And so one of my anxieties is um, obviously, like, just people attacking or kidnapping. And so, like, some of that is dealt with in the book. And I don't know if, like, writing it was therapeutic or, like, putting out my worst fears. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Or like exactly. giving them to an imaginary character and yeah, not having to live and like them yourself. Seeing how she dealt with it. So yeah. I don't know. Keep an eye on me, I guess. <laughs> oh, I, trust me, I do. Don't worry about that. Uh, Alicia Perkins. The book is martyred. You can mm-hmm. get it at Target.com. You can get it on shelves at Barnes and Noble, Amazon. Amazon. Are there any other? Like I know that it's at, at some local bookstores. Yeah, some of the local. One, a lot of the local ones actually. Um, uh, now, of course, Winding Trail is one of them. That's actually, I think, Lori and Julia does their um, book club awesome. through there, and there's a couple other. And things. and if you're at um, MSP Airport for any reason yeah. on your way flying out, you need something to grab on the way out. It's, it's there. there. Yeah. They're signed too at the MSP Airport, which is exciting for me. I always stop in the airport bookstore. So there you go. Yeah. Um, and you can check her out on Twin Cities Live today. Thank you for coming. Thanks. And congratulations. For me. Thank you. When we come back, Paul McGuire Grimes is going to tell us what's in theaters this week. Spoiler alert: It's the Joker, and that's what we're talking about after this on my talk 1071. Well, Paul McGuire Grimes from Paul's Trip to the Movies is here with us on the Colleen and Bradley Show, My Talk 1071, streaming live at MyTalk1071.com. Everything entertainment. Colleen Lindstrom, Bradley Trainer, is napping, I hope, because he did the morning show this morning. But Holly, again, awake and alert. Yes. And accounted for and with me until three. Uh, but Paul McGuire Grimes, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm going to try not to get distracted by these Oreos. I'm going like to need my... you to try one at some point. Okay. Because they're not the Oreos that you know. Oh, it's, it's a mystery. I'd like Building to change it into Ori No. Oh, it's slam. a Norio. Yeah. Slam. Um, anyway, okay, so okay. usually you come to tell us all of the movies that are yeah. in theaters this weekend, but really we are here to focus together as a group on only one movie that I have not seen, but the two of you have. Yes, Holly. Mm, yeah. It's Joker. Okay. And it, the, the premise behind this movie, we're thinking about Joker in terms of an origin story. Joaquin Phoenix plays a guy named Arthur Flack, who is this... Um, he suffers from mental health issues and he makes a living as a professional clown, but he would love to be a stand-up comedian and appear on this late night talk show. But after years of being bullied and beaten for just being a little bit different, he finally cracks mm. and snaps. Okay. And the result is this this years of mental health issues kind of coming out. Okay. Now, Joaquin Phoenix yes. plays the Joker. We he is not our first Joker. We've seen so We've many seen jokers. So many jokers. So many jokers. And um and and all of them play it very differently. Which is which is really great about this character is you can have very different actors take a character like this, put their own fresh spin and approach on it, and have them all kind of work with the actor that's playing it. And and so our most well, the Joker I think that everybody like attaches to, um, because of sort of the tragedy around the performance is Heath Ledger. Yeah, from The Dark Knight. Yeah. Christopher well, Nolan's picture. Then yeah. he won an Oscar for his performance yes. in that film. Well-deserved. It's because my favorite Joker performance to date. Me too. 
And does that include Caesar Romero, Jack Nicholson, and Jared Leto, Mark Hamill, and Joaquin Phoenix? And Joaquin Phoenix, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, how is his Joker? His Joker is um, phenomenal. I mean, he's really the backbone of this movie. And if you just look at, he's what kept me interested and engrossed in this story because he takes this very humane character, this very human person that you can you know in your own life, mm-hmm. and you see how it is just this downward spiral of into madness. Mm-hmm. In a sense, yeah. I be- mean, would you describe it that way? It's not a happy performance. It's not a funny. You're not going to go to this movie to feel good. No, no. I was uncomfortable. <laughs> no. no, I was uncomfortable from the very beginning, and it does not let up. And you do feel sympathy for him at times. And then there's a shift when it finally, like, when it swings in the other direction. You're like. Ooh, this is not going to end well. And then afterwards, you're like, Meh. yeah, because you would say that throughout the film, the way that the story goes is that Joker is a victim of circumstance almost yes. to a certain degree. But then it shifts mm-hmm. and then it shifts. Yeah. Todd Phillips, who wrote and directed, he's known from the Hangover movies. He sets it in 1981, but he cre- he puts it in a very Trump like world. And I say this specifically because Thomas Wayne is this billionaire who's running from error mm. and in this town where minorities and those who suffer from mental health issues are abandoned there's no resources to get the help that you need and so joker is a little is a social commentary happening. there is yeah. there's a lot i mean it says a lot about mental health mm-hmm. in a way interesting it's trying to say a lot it's well to, okay and emphasis is it, on the trying that Paul. was my question how does it how does it deliver on that my problem with this is that there's nothing original in this movie. You're thinking, oh, we've never seen an origin story for the Joker on screen before. But what Todd Phillips is doing is borrowing, in my opinion, in a lot of people's opinion, from Martin Scorsese movies. He's borrowing from the king of comedy, a taxi driver, to shape who this Joker is, to the point where he's then mirroring scenes from king of comedy in this movie. Oh, interesting. And also starring Robert De Niro from those two movies is in this as the talk show host the Jerry Lewis role from King of Comedy interesting so the movie gets you would say gets a little meta yes very meta yeah in as much as if you've seen Taxi Driver and the King of Comedy these Martin Scorsese movies then you're able to see those movies be directly referenced in Joker in a very meta way when you see that the two of you knowing film in a way that I do not right yeah when you see that do you think it is um I mean, do you think that that's intentionally part of the perspective of the filmmaker? Yes. Or do you think it's lazy? <laughs> it's both. It's intentional. I'll be like, I want to create a movie in that vision because I love Martin Scorsese. But it's lazy because then what are you then trying what's to say with this? And what's your unique perspective? Right. I mean, then this then the whole movie essentially is borrowed. Yeah. You know, then what is fresh about this outside of just being an origin story? And I personally don't want a back background for Joker. What I loved about Heath's mm. performance, if we're just going to really compare Jokers here. Which you that, almost can't not. You get right. I mean, I know that that's, I know that they're apples and oranges, but you you can't not. If you're just trying to think of what do you want out of this character? I love him being a mystery. I love not knowing what to expect. With Heath, he was a pathological liar. He was an agent of chaos. He just wanted to put on a show and be in the midst of that mm-hmm. where 
you never knew what he was going to say or come out of his mouth. Where with Joaquin, because he is so real, it's so scary, it's so realistic that you just feel kind of gross by the end. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh. Okay, so then I hear you say that. And um, when I go to the movies, I like to go to the movies <laughs> to escape. And I don't feel like um, this is going to be the kind of uh, movie where you're going to escape much. It, no, there's no escapism. It's not entertaining. There's really no moment of levity at all. Well, you're it's selling not it. <laughs> but, it's, but this is good to know because... People are have been anticipating this right. movie for so long. Yeah, and um, don't take kids. No. I mean, this is it's so violent toward, in the second half of the movie, I would say. Yeah, you know, and it's violent in a way. Superhero movies inherently can be violent. Yes. Th- there is physical violence. There is even graphic violence to a certain extent. But I will say the violence in Joker is shocking. Yes. And it sticks with you. Mm. There aren't many moments of violence but the ones that appear on screen are very violent do not bring your kids even teenagers i would caution make sure that they're mature enough to be able to handle the content and to separate the, your the fourth wall that's there mm. i mean todd phillips is trying to like say well how come movies like john wick don't get this sort of pushback for the violence and my counterpoint to that would be because john wick is he's an assassin, but the violence is so over the top. It's so outlandish. No one is going into John Wick looking for realism. Right. But you've now made Joker a realistic movie. Mm-hmm. So when you're seeing these images, the, these scenes of violence, it's disturbing. It's, it's very disturbing. How many ticket stubs okay, did you give this? This is what's weird is that I'm giving it three out of five. A, a somewhat positive review because I think that Joaquin is so good and I think that a movie that then garners such visceral reactions because you will find critics that are calling this a masterpiece best of the year it won awards at the Venice Film Festival <laughs> and then you will see the opposite end where it's zero stars oh, it's saying it's absolute polarizing. garbage very polarizing and you know that's that's you know it then leads up to the audience to really go in with their own perspective you know I that and I think that that's something that it, it, that is interesting to note because it, it is important for movies to make you feel something. Right. Maybe not all of the things, though, right. at the same time. Right. Yeah. Um, Paul McGuire Grimes, thank you so much for joining us Thanks again today. Me. You Thanks, can Paul. catch Paul thank McGuire you. Grimes on Twin Cities Live after 3 o'clock with, uh, with uh, Elizabeth Reese and Steve Patterson. And we will be back on the other side of this with some crazy, stupid idiots on My Talk 1071. Dumb people doing dumb things to tell you about on the Colleen and Bradley show, My Talk 1071, streaming live at MyTalk1071.com. Everything Entertainment, Colleen Lindstrom. Bradley Trainer is napping. Holly Roberts and I are here with you. Uh, and we'd like to tell you about the crazy, stupid idiots of the world. Well, then, I guess one could say that's a crazy, stupid idiot. Yeah! Colleen and Bradley present CSI. It stands for crazy, stupid idiots. Well, the world is full of crazy, stupid idiots. Dumb people doing dumb things repeatedly over and over again, oftentimes in the state of Florida. Florida. But we're not going to Florida first. Where are we going first? Canada. Canada. A. Mm, yes, I would like a Molson while I tell you the story of a dumb couple who just got married. I mean, listen, I don't in newlyweds general think newlyweds are dumb, but too. they can be. Um, these newlyweds are stupid, though, because they took part in a viral uh, photograph 
a photograph that has now gone viral where they wanted to commemorate one of their favorite TV shows, which is The Handmaid's Tale. Um, it was a um, wedding photograph. Um, and they wanted, um, because they were in the city where uh, A Handmaid's Tale is shot, It's most of it is filmed in Cambridge, which is where they were. Massachusetts. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, Massachusetts. Why did I say Canada? Well, are the is the the couple, couple is, is Canadian, Canadian and then they were yeah, in Cambridge, it. Massachusetts yes. for the for wedding. their wedding. Okay, so sorry, we're talking about Canadians, but they're in Massachusetts, and um, most of the uh, the show is filmed in Massachusetts and Cambridge, and they were like, "Well, we got to get some shots from the show," um, which is bizarre to be like the first. Part of that is bizarre. So if you don't watch The Handmaid's Tale and you're like, I don't understand. Um, there's not happiness in Handmaid's Tale. Let's set up the world of The Handmaid's Tale very briefly. Yeah. It is where uh, the United States no longer exists. It has been overthrown by a religious fundamentalist organization. And now they call it Gilead, where they systematically uh, kill people. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not nice. And there's sexual and, violence. And rape and, women. And yeah. I mean, it's just there's no... Mm, there's not really a lot of feel good in that show and by not a lot you mean none none there's none feel good (laughs) well this couple was like well we had to get we got to get some we got to get some shots of uh, some iconic handmaid's tale something or other so they decided to go to the wall now the wall in the handmaid's tale Mm -hmm. is the location where they hang people who have done wrong by Gilead. Great! Let's celebrate our eternal love by taking a photograph in front of a place where people die! So they go to the wall, and uh, the photographer takes a picture of the happy couple kissing, and then they, uh, in post, they Photoshop all of the bridesmaids to look like they are wearing the iconic red Handmaid's Tale cloak. And it is so tasteless. Stop. So then, then, as if that's not terrible enough they go to social media and they share it with the caption praise be which is uh something you commonly hear in the handmaid's tale kendra and torsten are married (laughs) that's so stupid as they kiss happily in front of the wall where in the show people are hanged and have handmaids for bridesmaids. Colleen, these people, oh. There isn't. Oh, I, don't, I can't even say. the dumbest say, thing I've ever no, heard. Can't, I can't even say bless their hearts because no. this this took multiple steps, Colleen. This had multiple people involved. The bride, the groom, the photographer, yes. the wedding party. Mm-hmm. And they all participated to do that. Now, if you saved it in private, okay, dumb, but whatever. And then you decided to share it on social media. I mean. Okay. So here's one really quick funny thing. Um, not funny thing, but like there some of the, I want to like loop in some of the dumb people commenting on the picture. Please. Who were like, I'm obsessed with the show and the book. This is so cool. Oh I love it. God. It's an amazing shot. So um, the photographer in response to this said, what's sad is that everyone is reacting exactly as expected. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're stupid. Yep. Just like in Gilead. Uh, uh-uh. And missing the opportunity to think for themselves, to educate themselves, to become engaged activists instead of simply keyboard warriors. No, okay. no. I appreciate that you are twisting the story to try to fit your narrative, but this is just in poor taste. That's no. all. Bottom line, 
You're dumb. Bye. Bye. What do you got? (laughs) (sighs) Happy Friday, everybody. Happy Friday. People are stupid. (laughs) And they're stupid not only in Canada via Cambridge, Massachusetts. They're also stupid in San Antonio, Texas. Now, Colleen, you were under the weather last week, last Friday, during Crazy Stupid Idiots. But you missed a story that I told also happening in Texas. Apparently, there is a sword academic. Epidemic. A sword mm. epidemic. Not an academic. No. That's a different thing. That's a different <laughs> yeah. thing. People are have the knives out, the giant knives out. So last week, mm-hmm. there was a fight over a dumpster between two guys, and one of them had a samurai sword. Okay. Fighting over junk. Alrighty. As you do. As one does. Well, apparently, there are more swords out there in San Antonio, Texas. This time, fighting over a desktop computer. Not even a laptop. Not even a laptop. Not even like uh, an iPad yeah. or a tablet. Not even a tablet, not okay. even a phone, a not desktop. even whatever. But two guys got into a fight and one of them had a sword and one of them cut the other man. And now the guy is in the hospital. Uh-oh. He's in stable condition. But I just bring this to you to be on the lookout for various miscellaneous weaponry. Now, it seems to only <laughs> be isolated in Texas right now. Noted. The guy is still on the run. We haven't caught the guy. Uh, the victim is in stable condition in the hospital. But I just needed you to know this because Thanks. might be happening that three three makes a trend. Yep. And this is a thing. It's like, remember when the scary clowns were around yes. a couple of years ago? Yes. Stay on vigilant watch for swords. Mm-hmm. And crazy, stupid idiots. Yeah, please. One last dumb person doing a dumb thing. Um, I would like to... In, we're going to Japan for this one. Oh, fun. Ikemasho. Yeah. Um, we're going to Tokyo. And that's where we meet Yuki Endo. Um, Yuki Endo had broken into an apartment. And um, he had infiltrated the home in order to steal panties. What did I tell you guys last week? What? That is a thing. And then they put him in the vending machine. Well, that part I don't know about. But this guy is a panty (laughs) stealer. Uh, He had previously stolen two pair of panties that were hanging to dry outside on a separate first floor apartment in the area. But then he decided to just break in and help himself to panties. Well, uh, when he was caught, the officers uh, went to his home to search his home. And they discovered 78 pairs of pilfered panties. And um, he was, of course, asked, why do you have so many panties that you have stolen? And he explained, I did it for sexual satisfaction and for thrills. I like that he's very honest and very blunt about that. He was. And this is where I really appreciate the blunt honesty. Um, It was noted in the report that it was only panties and it was not bras. He has he has a type. He has a type exactly. He made it clear that he never had any criminal intent uh, regarding brasiers. He says, "I only stole panties. I have no interest in bras." Why you may ask? Why I ask? He very succinctly put, "I am interested in women's butts." I want to give this guy a slow clap. (laughs) I mean, okay, you you stole some underwear. That's disgusting. But you're being really honest about your kink, and for that yeah, I applaud you. And that you? you're just in, you're a butt guy. But here's what I love about this: is this weird backwards way? No pun intended. He's trying to get out of getting punished for the panty stealing by being like, "I was just the, I didn't get the bras. It was just the panties." Also, I hate that I've said panties 
I hate that word. So many times. I hate that word so much, but I'm just letting it go. He had drawers and he did, but he did not steal the brassiers. Uh, guess what? He did not get off scot-free. Um, he will be punished for his um, undie habit. Was he going to jail? I don't know, actually. Um, we have not yet reached the full realization. This will be on his permanent record, permanent record though. Oh. And, and it will always be known that Mr. Endo... He's interested in butts. He's interested in the endos. I'm interested in <laughs> Yeah. In- Mr. Endo is appropriately named. Yeah. When we arrive back at this space on the Colleen and Bradley show, uh, each and every day at 2.45, we play a very fun game. That game is called the Throwback Live. Now, Bradley and I usually go head to head to see which one of us can identify the most vintage pop culture clips, audio clips. Bradley is not here today. Thus, we've had to select... Somebody to play in his stead. Well, we never really select anybody. We, we just, just assume that Donnie will show up. Yep. So, <laughs> for the record, Donnie came in the uh, just a while ago and talked to me through our very special talkie system and said to me, do you have somebody for the game? And I just assumed that he was going to show up. And I thought he was talking about the Twins game. Me and too. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about, Donnie. Donnie will be here. Donnie's um, always Donnie's here. always here. So I don't know why he needed to clarify that he's playing. He's just... But he'll be here. Yeah. Donnie and I are going to play the throwback live after this on the Colleen and Bradley show on my talk 1071. Have you been waiting for just the right job? Then welcome to the end of your search. Amazon has seasonal warehouse jobs in your area. And now is a great time to apply. You can start getting paid right away and work close to home. Applying is easy. You don't even need an interview. So what are you waiting for? Come join the team and get a great seasonal job offer today. Visit Amazon.com slash hiring. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer.